Welcome, lovelies, to the Ultimate Dance Business Podcast. My name is Deborah Laws, the dance business expert. My passion is to help you turn your passion into profit while guiding you to work less and earn more. I'm super excited to share interviews with you that I know will inspire and motivate you in your schools, as well as my solo shows where I shall be sharing some great tips and strategies. So if you love the show, please do remember to review, subscribe and share it with your fellow dance boss friends. So let's get stuck into the business of dance. I am so thrilled, everyone, to have Charlie Day with us today. She is going to blow your minds when it comes to marketing, sales, and basically just growing your dance schools through the whole attraction strategy. Charlie, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I feel like your name has been going around. I've been hearing about you for a little while, but this is actually the first time that you and I have made a connection. So this is quite um, quite a fresh um, interview in terms of, you know, learning about you and what you do. So please do tell me and the listeners what it is that you do and what is your zone of genius? Sure. So um, I'm Charlie Day. My business is called Charlie Day Sales. And basically, I help people make more sales in their business. Um, I audaciously claim that sales is easy if you just know how. And I am here to show you how. I think a lot of uh, business owners, particularly female business owners, are very scared of sales. And I'm here to make it not scary and a bit more fun. Mm, yeah. And you're absolutely right. I think, you know, particularly in our industry, in the dance industry, and a lot of people listening to the podcast are people that run dancing schools. Um, you know, we we sign up for this job because we love teaching. We love dance. We love teaching, whether it's children or adults, whatever genre, like that's our passion. For most people, they kind of wake up one day and they've suddenly got a dance school, which means that they're suddenly a business owner and a principal and a boss for some people. Um, what they didn't sign up for was like all the business stuff. And when it comes to, you know, one of the most important elements of the business, which is the marketing, the advertising, the getting people in the studio door. Like they definitely didn't sign up for that bit. Like it's not their their, their main passion. So, you know, how do you make this something that they might embrace and enjoy and be excited about? Well, first off, I know how hard it is because I have been there. That was my first business when I was 21. I opened up my own theatre school. Um, and I don't know if it was my 21-year-old arrogance or I was just insanely naive, but I thought that it would be easy. You know, I absolutely loved teaching children. I loved um, dancing and singing. And I just thought, yeah, I'll just bring this all together. And like, I'd researched how many children there were in the area. And it was a no brainer. And I actually hired this big, massive hall with a stage and hired 30 costumes. And I thought, you know, I'm going to just have 30 people at my first workshop. I was doing sort of like a summer holiday workshop. And I worked my absolute arse off telling everybody about it. And I managed to get seven people there. 
seven people. And I I was, I was mortified. I was just so embarrassed. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to do this, this workshop, then I'll brush it all on the carpet, pretend that never happened. I'll go and find a different path (laughs) to follow. And so I did the workshop and in the only way that I know how, threw my whole self into it. And because these children had come to my workshops, they weren't part of any other theatre schools. So they weren't the sort of children who would have got solos and things like that. But because there was only seven of them, they had to be all the parts. They had to do all the things. And so I actually really loved it. I loved the small group. I loved everything about it. And at the end of the week, all seven of the parents were like, if you're starting weekly classes, we want to sign up. Like, it's been amazing. The children have loved it. And in that moment, I was like, well, it's been this hard to get seven children through my door. I'm not going to let them go now. And I made a promise to myself in that moment that I would get really, really good at sales because I recognized that that was the thing that was going to move this ship forward. And that's exactly what I did. So I started with a theater school. I've built four multi-six-figure businesses from the ground up. And obviously now I do um, Charlie Day sales day in, day out. So if anyone's listening to this I and thinks, oh my gosh, I don't know about sales. I, I've been there and yeah. I know how hard it is. And I know that it might not be your passion, but you have to make it a really important part of what you do every single day. I always say that I think every single business owner should be spending 80% of their efforts on sales. That's how important it is. And I went on to build um, another business called Phonics with Robot Reg, which was preschool phonics classes. And we franchised um, the business and we've got 54 franchisees internationally. And I always said to the the franchisees, like, right, what is the most important thing? And they'd be like, the phonics classes. No, 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 it's not the phonics classes. The parents. No, it's not the parents. The children. No, it's the sales. Because if you don't have any sales, you're not going to be teaching a phonics class. You're not going to be seeing a parent or a child. Sales is the number one driving force behind this business. And it was just like a crazy thought for some people. Oh, a hundred percent. And, you know, I'm sure you and I are in that same boat still ourselves. You know, it never changes, no matter how much you scale up or how many businesses you have. It's the same. And I remember about a year ago, um, I put a comment in into my business coach's um, Facebook live that he was doing. And I was I just said, look, I just feel like I spend about 20 percent of my time doing the stuff that I really love, the content, the delivery, the coming up with the ideas the, you know, the visioning, like serving my customers. I said, and I feel like I spent 80% of my time just drumming up those customers. And he just kind of smiled at me and went, yep, that's (laughs) about right. It was almost, he never said this, but I almost felt like it was a kind of suck it up, buttercup kind of, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, and that's why it really worries me. No, not worries me, but it just becomes a little bit of a concern. And I'm sure it's the same for you. Like when I'm talking to one-to-one clients or when we're, we're doing an onboarding process, when people join my membership, you know, and I talk to them and I say, right, so let's have a quick look. What are you doing marketing wise? And, oh, you know, and they they launch into what they're doing on social media. Oh, I post a couple of times a week and I'm, I'm quite good. You know, I do this and that. I'm like, that's great. Like, that's great for social media. Like, what else are you doing? crickets like and and I'm like oh so so you've got all your eggs in that one basket and 
if we actually look at that and from your own, you know, uh, sort of words, I don't even do that particularly well. Like there's really not an awful lot happening. It's mostly just word of mouth. And everyone kind of goes, oh, well, yeah, I suppose so when you put it like that. And so it, I think it has become a thing, although digital marketing, social social media is still huge. It's still where the main marketing spend is going on. It's not everything, is it, Charlie? It is not everything. And this is such an important point. So I'm really pleased that you brought it up because I do think um, we live in an age and, you know, yesterday I was doing um, a sales presentation to a load of chiropractors. And so it's like bricks and mortar stores. And I was saying the complete opposite that I'm about to say to you. I was like, come on, guys, we've got to get on social media. Everyone's got an online business. Even if your business is offline, it needs to be online as well. But what I see more often than not, people fall into the trap of just been an online business. And actually, what I always say to my clients is, if you want to stand out from the crowd, you need to be doing stuff that other people aren't doing. And if you look at that guerrilla marketing, you know, grassroots getting out into schools with your flyers, standing on, um, you know, school gates. That's what I used to do, giving the parents the flyers to their hand because I didn't want to give them to the receptionist because God knows what was going to happen then. You know, if you're willing to do a mail merge out and send bulky mail through the post to the schools to getting in, following up with a phone call, hitting the phones, you're you're separating yourself out from the crowd massively because other people aren't doing that. But a really important question that I'd love to ask anybody who's listening to this is, are you actually selling or are you just telling? Because what a lot of people do is they just put their information out there and they just wait. You know, I've got a class at this time, this place. No one cares. No one cares. You know, that's really harsh, but no one cares. You've got to sell it to me. How's it going to make me feel? What transformation am I going to see? Why should I come to you and not the one down the road that's closer to me? You've got to sell. It's no good just telling. Yeah. And, you know, this is so bizarre because just today I did a Facebook Live and we were discussing um, direct mail and how you need to find the space where people aren't anymore and how some forms of marketing have gone around a full circle. And then I was telling them about my first podcast interview that I did a year ago, which was with Mike Michalowicz and his book, Get Different, you know, and it is all about that being different and standing out. So this is strange. This is all happening in one day. So I feel the universe is trying to tell all my listeners and all my audience the same message. They're being bombarded from all angles here, which is wonderful. Um, But yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things that everybody, we probably could all put our hands up to being guilty of. I certainly was this person just a few years ago. It was, you know, oh gosh, I'm going to do an advert. It's going to have a picture of some of my kids, you know, I need to advertise all my classes. So I'll put a picture of my little ones and my older ones and this genre and that genre because I need to fill all my classes. I've got space in everything. And I kind of need to tell everybody where I am and that we've got sprung floors and where, you know, the classes are on Mondays and Wednesdays. And like you said, that is as far from what we should actually be doing. So in without going into a whole training session on the podcast, if someone's listening thinking, oh my, like that is pretty much what, what my ads look like, like we're going to scrap all that. We're going to take them back to the drawing board. Have you got like just a few bullet points that would, would set people on the right path? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important that um, we start opening our eyes. Okay. What, what are you turned on by? You know, what is stopping you in your tracks and going, oh, that is talking to me. You know, if it's um, on fa- on your Facebook scroll, always the second post down is a sponsored post. What sponsored post make you read on? Most you will just scroll past because we've become accustomed that the second post is always a sponsored post. But every now and again, there'll be one that's stopping you. So start noticing what is grabbing your attention. And I can bet your bottom dollar it's not. We have fun, high energy classes. No one cares nobody cares. How many parents have rang you up and saying, um, and just a quick one, do you have sprung floors? No one cares. No one cares. What they want to know is how their child is going to feel, how they're going to be accepted and included or pushed to the next level or whatever your zone of genius is. That's what they want to know. So scrap everything, throw it all out the window And start thinking, what can I say that's going to stop a parent in their tracks and go, I need to send my child to this class? Mm, Yeah. And I think you'll, I'm sure you'll agree, you know, it's certainly something that I've been taught in all of my sales training. You know, the thing that gets people to buy is not the facts, it's the emotion. It's the fact that you move somebody emotionally. People are emotional buyers, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, people buy famous Walt Disney quote. Sorry, huge Disney fan. So I <laughs> always end up with a Walt Disney Disney quote. Um, but people buy when they want to feel good. That's why people buy into Disney. And people don't buy necessarily what they need, what they want. They It's all about what you feel. But here's the other thing that I think is really interesting as well. Um, if you do the same as everybody else, we turn our brain off to it. So if I was to say, if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, then please follow me at Charlie Day Sales. No one, because everyone says that same thing. Whereas if you're willing to say it differently, then you're going to stand out from the crowd. And this is something that I found um, hugely when I ran a theatre school. Um, I, I was in Essex and it was overly populated with theatre schools, every franchise. I was just a 21-year-old girl with no clue, like no clue and no budget, and setting up this this theatre school. And I felt like the competition was immense and people were going to Disneyland and people were going to the Dance World Cup and performing on the West End. And I'm like, I've got seven people in a village hall with a couple of old costumes. Anyone want to come? (laughs) And, you know, separating myself off from the crowd what I have always been willing to do is the stuff that other people won't. So ringing the schools, doing the bulky mail, getting out. And I, and I still do that stuff. I still do that stuff because I think it's super important. And so that's another question I would um, put to you. You know, what are you willing to do that other people won't that's going to help you to stand out from the crowd? Yeah, I love that. And also, you know, don't be afraid to shout about what you have got going for you that's great. So if you are that school with only seven students, 
Shout about the fact that your classes are small and intimate and every child gets an incredibly personal experience. Mm. You know, use those things to your advantage. Mm. You know, you won't be able to put, you know, that your child gets to perform in all these places. You're not at, at that stage yet, but you've still got amazing, great things that you're offering right now. Mm. So what do you offer now that you can shout about? And we're not very good, us Brits, are we, at shouting about ourselves, blowing our own trumpets? Yeah, no, we are absolutely not. And I, and I agree, you know, we've all got a unique selling point. What makes you different? What's your notable difference? Um, my theatre school still exists today. I don't have anything to do with the day-to-day running of it. 350 children go through it on a weekly basis. And, you know, we're full with waiting lists. When I was running it, we had seven and I got an inquiry through. I'd be ringing that parent, you know, having the conversation. Oh, what's little Isabel like? Tell me more. Can she point her toes or not? Whereas that same level of service, you just can't do as you grow and scale your business. So you're absolutely right. What have you got that other people haven't? And shout about that. Yeah, we're, we're inclusive. We can be because we've got tiny classes. Isn't that great? Parents love that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, people that are running dance schools are, you know, in my experience, working all hours under the sun, sometimes, most of the time, pretty overwhelmed with their to-do lists, like just serving the customers they've got, dealing with parents, taking money, you know, all those things. I try to help them with all their systems. But in terms of the sales part. A lot of people say to me, I just don't have time to do any marketing. I just don't have time for that element. Um, now, I know what my response is to that, but how would you tackle that mindset? Um, if you want to grow and scale your business, you don't have time not to focus on your sales and marketing. It is the single most important thing. If you don't get Tallulah's leotard ordered, it's not the end of the world. But getting more people in the top of your funnel so you can keep growing and scaling so that you can go to Disneyland or whatever is the most important thing. So what I would always do is set aside my first hour of the day. I still do this. First hour of the day is follow up every single day because that is the most important thing. And then once I've done that, I can sort out Tallulah's leotard. Yeah, I love I love that. I'm so glad that you said I'm so glad that you said that because I think, you know, there does have to be a mindset shift in terms of making this priority. I mean, of course, if people are happy with the numbers that they've got, and I do have many clients that mm-hmm. say to me, Deborah, I don't want to grow any bigger. Classes are pretty full. I don't I don't want it to get bigger, but what I would love is to not have to do so many hours in the office or I would love to be able to work a bit less or like everybody has their own agenda in terms of what they want to do. So if growth isn't a massive issue, then of course you can work predominantly on retention, um, yeah, but yeah. then just do, you know, a scaled down version of marketing because we still need to get kids in, don't we? We, we all have a natural drop off. We all have what we call churn, which yeah. is the that will leave and they need replacing. So, you know, marketing never stops, even if your school is quite full. Yeah, absolutely. You always need um, new people in in the top. And I feel like if you don't continue to, you know, keep on getting the word out there about what's happening, about why you're different, then you always run the risk of, you know, losing numbers to other schools and then that number not being the same. So, 
if you don't want to grow and scale it and and the same I have customers who are happy with their like um my theater school is at 350 and um, the the manager now doesn't want to scale it any further and that's absolutely fine obviously with phonics with robot reg we took it in a completely different direction and franchised it so the ability for that to grow is absolutely huge I also ran a party business that was like an agency um so there's there's so many different models in how you can grow and scale businesses so I would say if you are fully booked have a real honest conversation with yourself do you not want to scale anymore if so absolutely fine we've all you know got our hopes and dreams and and whatever um but if you do want to grow and scale there's plenty of options but even if you're happy with the numbers that you've got now I still think keeping that message going keeping on marketing um, and having those conversations with potential clients is key yeah because we've got to keep that drip we've got to keep that that drip drip of people coming in even if as I said we didn't want to grow you mentioned a word earlier and I actually have it written down on my pad as something I was going to talk to you about so I'm glad you mentioned it um dance school owners may not be particularly um aware of this word um and I'd love you to be able to put it into a context that they would understand and that was the word funnel so how do dance school owners first of all what is a funnel and how could they create a funnel Charlie so when I talk about funnel I'm talking about a sales funnel so for people who are listening to this I'm now putting my arms up and creating a funnel and at the top of that funnel that is your marketing getting your messaging out there and drawing leads into the funnel. Once they're in that funnel, we're going to be having conversations with them, um, building those relationships, whatever the steps that you take with your clients to turn them into sales and then closing them down. Why should they buy and why should they buy right now? Super important. Otherwise, they're just going to stay in that funnel having conversations for ages. Um, Following up, that's a huge part of my sales strategy. And then once they come out the other end of the funnel, that isn't the end for me because there's always more that we can sell, especially in this um, area of work, because actually the easiest sale that you can make is to your already existing clientele. That costs you the least time and money. So if you're sitting here listening to this thinking, oh my God, I just need to make some money. I need money. I've got a tax bill to pay or whatever. Um, Then go and sell something to your already existing clientele because that's the easiest sale to make. And also when they come out the bottom of the funnel, what we want to do is create raving fans who buy from us time and time again, but also shout about us. Because if each of our customers shout about us, they become mini marketeers and they can bring other people into the top of the funnel. So we've got this process where there's always people coming in, always people buying, always people coming out who we can upsell to and that's when you've got the perfect sales strategy yeah because it's not just someone makes an inquiry you tell them about your class they come along they pay their money and the job's done I mean it's it's it really is a whole big plan isn't it to get them from what we call a cold prospect all the way through to a burning hot prospect that's continued that's happy to stay burning hot is is what you're saying and you know, and like you say, build your word of mouth, because the more we build that raving fan, actually, the less work we have to do getting them in the funnel in the first place, because they're doing it for us, aren't they? Right. Yeah. And that's the dream, isn't it? 
Totally. Even now, that's the truth. That's what we all want. Um, but also, I, I'm really, as you probably noticed already, I'm really into the follow-up section of my sales strategy. And I've got a very comprehensive follow-up um, spreadsheet that I'm updating on a daily basis. I always have it open on my computer. Because here's the thing, right? I inquire today about, um, got a little boy who is six. I inquire about some dance classes for him. And the dance class down the road can only do Friday mornings. Well, Friday mornings don't work for me. Um, so, I'll, oh no, that doesn't work. That Don't worry, that doesn't work. And so does my relationship end there with them or do they put me on their follow-up list? Because they know I'm a warm lead. They know I've got a six-year-old son who wants dance classes. Just because right here and now I can't do the time that they've got, they could keep me on their leads list and tell me about their summer holiday workshops or Christmas or, oh, actually we're opening one on a Monday now. Can you come to that? Yes, I can. So any lead that comes in, we know that they're interested. We know that they're the right demographic. So once a lead comes in, we don't want to let them go. So if they don't buy, are you following up with them? Because if I think of, I'm absolutely passionate about buying from small business owners, right? It's like my favorite thing to do. But I can count on like one hand the amount of people who followed up with me. So I thought I would just share with you guys today the um, planners that I have produced for dance school owners because these are flying out of Amazon like hotcakes. And if you don't have yours yet, then all you have to do is pop to Amazon and type into the search Deborah Laws and all three books will come up. So the ultimate dance business planner I designed for you so that you had a little bit of a Deborah on your desktop. <laughs> the planners are full of business training, tips, motivational quotes, uh, things to do at the start of the month, things to do at the end of the month, ways in which you can plan out your marketing and your retention. And they are selling all over the world. So go to Amazon, grab your number one best-selling Ultimate Dance Business Planner and enjoy mapping out the growth for your studio. I know. And I mean, um, people that are, are in my audience, particularly my members, you know, they hear me harping on about this all the time. And in fact, I've got a challenge week coming up in a couple of weeks. And one of the days is all about follow up content, because I just feel like, like you've just said, you know, we do we do a lot of work. It takes us a long time to get visible out there. Then we get them to move towards us because they make a phone call, they email us, they message us, whatever it is that they do when they, they take that move closer towards us. That's when they've committed to actually, hello, this is me, I'm interested. So they're that kind of slightly warm lead. Um, it doesn't work out. Oh gosh, that's a shame. Can't get that child into a class. But that, that like you said, isn't the end of the road. And a lot of people allow that roadblock of they can't come to the class to be the end of the story. And you've worked really hard to get someone to that point, to get, you know, your marketing scene and your website up there in, in the SEO. And, you know, it, it's it's not easy getting somebody to make that contact with you. And so to me, they're like little pots of gold. And I mm -hmm. often say to my, my clients, if a student came to you, you know, what's their life 
what's the average lifetime value of a student? Like, do they stay 15 years? Do they stay five weeks? You know, and we put a rough, I put a rough very rough guesstimate. I say, how about we go with two years? A lot of students will stay a lot longer. Some may stay less, but roughly two years. So how much are they likely to pay you in two years if they just come to one class? So this normally works out at two or 300 pounds. So then I say, right, so every single person that inquires, that comes towards you, that's a lead, that you don't bother with after they say they can't come, potentially you're throwing away two or 300 pounds. And everyone's like, oh, <laughs> maybe I'll keep that person on a mail list. <laughs> yeah, I'll, right. <laughs> I'll create a mail list. Maybe if I create a mail list, I have got potentially tens of thousands of pounds sitting in that mail list. It's kind of people just need to view things sometimes, don't they? A little bit differently. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, this is a real big stumbling block. So for anybody who's listening to this, I've written a book called um, Sales is Easy If You Just Know How. And there is a whole chapter on follow-up where I give actual examples of what to say in the follow-up. Because what I hear all the time is, oh, I don't want to be too pushy. I don't want to seem too much. Now, if somebody, you know, if you were to follow up with me and say, oh, Charlie, you know, it's great chatting to you today. I've actually got this thing on sale that I think will be absolutely perfect for you. And I would love to chat to you about it some more. I wouldn't think, oh, Debs, what a pushy bitch. I would think, oh my gosh, she's thought of me. She's had that thought. That's so sweet. And even if I thought, no, it's probably not the right thing for me, I would still think she's thought of me. She's made the effort. And I I think we've got to get rid of this misconception that following up is pushy. I think it's caring. I honestly, I, I think we need to flip it on its head. I think everybody, if you're listening to this, And you only take one thing away from it. Let it be this. Follow up, follow up, follow up. Go right now and follow up with some leads and you will make a sale. It's as simple as that. And you can all see just how passionate Charlie is about the whole (laughs) follow up thing. So I think if you got us both in a room, (laughs) it might might be a bit painful (laughs) to the ears. But I think, you know, I'm just so behind you with this. And what I find is that people will generally follow up two to three times and then they get really uncomfortable and when they say all right well Deborah well how many times how many times do I email that person how many times do I message them or do I I can't send 10 emails and I'm like no you you don't need to send 10 emails but you can find 10 different ways to follow them up Mm. so um I would love everybody to go and find your book where can they find that it's on Amazon it's like a tenor sales is easy if you just know how Brilliant. And if you do forget the title, everybody, if you just type Charlie Day into the search bar, because that's her author name, that it will just come up with her book. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, even if you don't remember the title. So yeah, everybody go buy the book so you can all learn about follow-ups. Um, so Charlie, with with regards to dance school owners, I mean, it's so wonderful having you on because you've got the you know, same background. You understand my, my people. Um, you know, if you could say to them right now, if there was, you know, zero marketing happening and people are scared, they don't know what to do, they don't know where to start. And for that reason, they don't do anything. Like if we were just helping somebody baby steps without launching into, you know, all the things that you could teach them, what might be one thing that they could go and do tomorrow that would be classed as marketing that would help them? I think where I would start 
if you weren't doing anything, is um, getting myself out there online. Instagram stories, lives. You know, if I'm going to leave my child in your capable hands, I think it'd be really great to know who you are and get a feel for you. We know that people buy from people. So get that across. And I think the tendency is to go... um, hi, I run these classes and I've got a sprung floor. Um, But really, people want to know you. So, you know, have you got kids? Where do you live in the local area? Um, With our Phonics with Robot Reg, we always use Save the Franchisees. Tell parents, like, um, what are the local attractions that they can go to? Or, like, you know, when can they do something for free? Or do you know what I mean? Just, like, immerse yourself into the local community and become someone who people know, like, and trust. Because if they know, like, and trust you, they're going to be way more likely to buy from you. And also, if you've got that footprint online where people can see you and it's very clear, then hopefully your already existing clientele will start tagging you in things. Um, and, And I would encourage that as well. You know, could you have a hashtag for your um, theatre school and encourage the children to use it or the parents, you know, just dropped Tallulah off in a new leotard um, at dance class, tagging the dance class in it. And then all of Tallulah's mum's audience sees it. If you got three people a week to share um, pictures and they all have got 100 followers, that's 300 people you, you could reach that you wouldn't be doing otherwise. Yeah. And, you know, the fact is, I don't have any money to spend on advertising is just a rotten excuse, isn't it? Mm. Because, because there are so many forms of free organic marketing that people can go down. They don't have to have a marketing budget in order to be visible and be seen, do they? Absolutely not. And so here I am running Charlie Day Sales, multi six figure on the way to seven figure business. And I have never paid for any form of marketing whatsoever. So there is so much that you can do organically. Wow, that's that's massive, actually, isn't it? You, you know, you are living proof that you don't have to spend spend money in order to make your business successful. And I think that's nice for everybody to know, actually, isn't it? Because it, it can be quite demoralizing to feel that, oh gosh, you know, I'm not going to be able to grow my school until I've got, you know, it's, it's got to be successful for me to have money to be able to grow it bigger. But actually that's not the case, is it? It's just, would you say it's just down to that consistency and that variety, using variety and like you said, right at the beginning, doing something different? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the two things that are the biggest driver, consistency and hard work. If you've got those two things, you're going to be absolutely fine. Now, I have had businesses where we've used paid advertising, um, Phonics with Robot Reg. We scaled through Facebook ads um, at the beginning when they came out. Before that, I used to use boosted posts. Do you remember when that was a thing? Um, and, and, you know, various different modes of advertising. But it's just in this business, I haven't... I'm a big believer in that we should exhaust all organic reach first. And I haven't got to that point yet. So there is so, so much you can do. So please don't 
feel like I haven't got any budget. You don't need any budget. You just need your phone and you can do everything from home, you know, and getting out, especially if you, if you are location-based, getting out into your local area, put posters up. How many people do you know putting posters up? There's no one putting posters up. You go and be the person who puts the poster up. Yeah. People don't yeah. want to put posters up anymore. They just want to, you know, be an Instagram influencer or whatever and watch the money roll in. Well, that isn't the reality of life, unfortunately. Yeah, um, and that goes back to what I was saying about we've gone around a full circle. Hmm. Like if you want to be noticed now, do some of the stuff that nobody's doing anymore. And that might be going back to stuff that we did 20 years ago, which is just bizarre and crazy. And maybe everybody will then go back to doing the things we did 20 years ago. And then the place to be is back online. I mean, you've just got to follow the trend. If we're not follow the trends, you've got to, you've got to go outside of the trends. <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, mail mergers used to be massive. I remember doing one. Um, I screwed up a piece of paper and I put it in an envelope. So it was like bulky mail, but it cost me nothing. And it was like, we won't screw up your kid's birthday party. That was the, and it did amazingly well. I was so proud of it. I was really young at the time. So, but at that point, I was looking for how to do things differently in mail mergers because everyone was doing mail mergers when, you know, what, 2011. Whereas now you don't even get things through the post with like a handwritten if you do you're like oh what's this what's this in the post so if you think about that and think about getting someone's attention you know even if it was like schools or nurseries something like that then a mail merge would be perfect mm, yeah i had to do either you know, and that idea of screwing up a piece of paper and sticking it in, an, in a letter, which is different and is going to get someone's attention, you know, that's just being creative, isn't it, around your thought process. And I think sometimes we're so we've, we're so busy feeling like there's a set thing we should do or a way that we should do things that we don't allow ourselves. We're creative in the studio, but perhaps we're not creative with our, our businesses and our marketing in particular. So, um, yeah, I think everyone's capable of coming up with something a bit different but it just needs a big old blank piece of paper and some brainstorming and you know maybe if you've got a team of people that work for you get together with your teachers you know mm. I, I've I've got certain ideas I like to think I'm quite creative but I remember pulling the ideas of my teachers and they came up with some awesome ideas you know and and also they love to feel involved so if you loved one of their ideas and went with it and it was successful like no better way of getting your team on side than mm. you know a new taster is going to come through the door and that teacher knows that that taster came because of an idea that they had that you implemented they're going to work really hard to convert that student so um yeah I mean I think it's lovely you know just to put out there to everybody just be creative don't be afraid to be different you don't have to pay a lot but you do have to do stuff you can't just sit back and wait and I think um yeah that that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? Absolutely. Mm. Charlie, what do you have you got coming up? Um, have you got anything coming up that our listeners can um, come and find you? Any links? And obviously we've talked about your book today, but is there anything else that you'd like to share with everybody? Yeah, actually, I have got 50 free marketing tips, um, which you can download, which would be a great starting point for anybody. Um, they're all, you know, things that you can just go and do and implement straight away. So I'll send you over the link for those 50 free marketing ideas. Um, but I also run the Entrepreneurs Growth Club, which is my community. And inside the Entrepreneurs Growth Club, every Sunday at 8pm, I go live sharing my tips on how you can make more sales in your your business.
Fabulous. So we'll put those links in the show notes so that people can come and find you because I'm sure everyone's been really inspired by the the podcast today. Um, What's your big vision, Charlie? If I was to say what's coming up for you in the next five years, have you got anything anything you'd love to do on creating your business? Um, so I'm passionate about changing the face of sales. Um, I think that sales has got a really bad name for itself. Um, it's become something that people don't enjoy doing and it's got connotations of being pushy and sleazy and icky. And I am here to change the face of sales and uh, particularly for female entrepreneurs. I want female entrepreneurs to feel so confident selling and shout about what they do from the rooftops because I actually think as females, we have all the skills to be the best salespeople that we can possibly be. Um, but yeah, I want to grow and scale my brand. I would love to open a sales agency in the future. So yeah, lots of plans. Watch this space. Yeah, I was going to say watch this space. How exciting. So I love to finish, Charlie, with some quick fire questions just for a little bit of fun. And Ooh. I tell you, they actually never end up being quick fire questions because they're, <laughs> they're quite deep questions. So it takes oh. a while to, for people to actually answer them. So I don't know why I call them quick fire questions. I thought it was going to be like Chinese or Indian. Well, the first one is just full full, brings you into a full sense of security that they're going to be easy questions. Okay, they're not easy. All right, all right. Are we ready? Are you good to go? I'm good to go. So, first one: favorite ice cream. (gasps) Rum and raisin. This is the easy one, Charlie. (laughs) That was not easy. Rum and raisin. Okay. Is that actually your favorite? Or was that the first yeah, one? Yeah, it's a bit out there. I, d- I don't love <laughs> ice cream. It's not my favorite thing in the world. But okay. um, rum and raisin ice cream is amazing. That sounds good to me. Um, okay, slightly harder. Favorite business book? Ooh, um, oh, that is a hard one. Mm. Ah, well, oh, your own. I need to go with your own. No, no, because there's so many good ones out there. I feel like I need to give your listeners something amazing, but I'm just I'm gonna have to give a, a couple. Um, the psychology of selling is amazing, and the big leap. Oh, yes. So with those yeah. two. Gail, Gail Hendricks. Yes, so Gail Hendricks. Hendricks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fabulous. People can go and look at those whilst they're on Amazon buying your book. Buying mine, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could hang out for 15 minutes with somebody from history that's no longer here, who would that be? Walt Disney. Oh, do you know, I think that's my favourite answer. <laughs> Everyone has said really profound people, but no one said that. And I think that would be so awesome. I mean, um, he's such a he's such an inspiration for me, like entrepreneurism, like vision. And I just love Disney, so it's an obvious yeah, I would really love, really love one day. There is, um, he does like a, um, oh gosh, I don't know what you would call it. It's like a business immersive um, experience where you go over to Florida and you hang out with his corporate team. And there's like a whole course on the whole marketing and vision oh. side. And it's a whole led by the Disney team. And it's supposed to be incredible. Um, I know that. That sounds amazing. Uh, I feel like you need to go and Google that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> We'll put pictures up next year of the two of us going together. Yeah. <laughs> we made it happen. <laughs> and what about somebody that's still with us that you'd love to hang out with for 15 minutes? 
Um, Sarah Bleakley, you know, the founder of Spanx. I absolutely love her. She's hilarious and also like what an incredible woman. Fantastic. And um, favourite mountain view? Oh, lordy. Um, can I say the top of Big Thunder Mountain in Disney, Walt Disney World, Florida? We can go back there. <laughs> There's a theme. There is a bit of a theme going on here, isn't there? I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Okay, last one because they are quite hard. Um, favorite saying of all time. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Mm. Yeah, and I feel like there's a few versions of that, but it's, yeah, I love it too. You know, you can't create change without doing something different. It's that kind of mentality, isn't it? And what a great way to wrap up and say thank you. If you're not doing a lot of marketing, then, and you don't have the number of students that you would love to have, continue to do no marketing and you'll continue to not have the numbers right. yeah yeah, yeah but maybe do something a bit different embrace your marketing a little bit more and hopefully it will get you a little bit more students or a lot more students hopefully charlie thank you so much it's been great fun hanging out with you today i'm sure you know you have inspired everybody to really start taking their marketing and sales a bit more seriously um some great great tips throughout um today you know really appreciate your time thank you thank you so much for having me and if there's anything that has you know resonated with you or sparked a bit of interest i would love love for you to email me charlie at charliedaysales.co.uk and tell me or um find me on instagram come find me on instagram charlie day sales and let's have a chat thank you so much brilliant thank you it for today thank you for listening to the ultimate dance business podcast of course you can come and find me in facebook instagram linkedin and on youtube but the real magic happens within my membership sparks ignite or illuminate there's one for each one of you depending on your level of investment time and motivation so check out the website dancebusinesslab.com click on work with me and let's see if we can really start to make a difference. Are you looking to get precious time back in your life so you can make more time doing the things you love? DanceBiz is a class management and booking software from the lovely folk at Think Smart that will automate and streamline all your dance school admin. It's the perfect tool for all those tasks that just seem to take so long and will help you to work smarter, not harder. Message me today, folks, and I can give you a code so you can get two months free.